Let's respond to the introduction. Amen. Amen. As we prepare for the word, please stand with me. And as you do that, I have a, uh, before the greeting of Go Church to Go Church and others that have joined us today via live streaming and otherwise, I, with the consent of our pastor, would like to invite you to a service meeting event this Wednesday evening at China Grove Missionary Baptist Church in Turin. I have been asked to serve as the first of three speakers for their camp meeting, and uh, I'm looking forward to being there at 7 o'clock, and if you are available, we invite you to come and join us, and let's, like they used to say, have church. We have church here, yeah. We have church this morning. Yeah, I hear that powerful good singing and I'm thinking this must be raising the dead Sunday. You're not all folks in the graveyard are dead. Well, I'm supposed to behave today. I am giving this invitation. So it is an honor per the transition uh, that has taken place for uh, over several months now, as Pastor JC has described to you. I think on it, and, and I know that this is God and he's led us to this place, but transitions of uh, just about every kind, i.e. a job or school or uh, something that affects, is about like going to the dentist. Uh, you know, you need to go, but it's sometimes painful. Amen. But after you've had it done, you know, they put somebody else's teeth in your mouth that ain't yours. <laughs> After you've had it done, you're glad you did. And, and I'm saying before and during and after, Pastor JC, how much God is blessing and increasing and adding not only to this campus but others. And so I praise the Lord for that, for you. It's not a mutual uh, admiration society. Uh, you know, you be my son-in-law, I don't do much of that, but... Uh, <laughs> But I'm proud of that. And, and I, I suggested to him more than once that he, he doesn't have to introduce me in that context. And I know he means it. It's sincere. Uh, but I want to bring the word of God to us. Us meaning what a joy it is as I look into the camera and do what we've learned to do. And glad to do here by welcoming Go Church north of Washington, D.C. Who are, we are part of their extended family and they are part of ours. We celebrate Pastor David, who's a campus pastor there, and we welcome you today to this part of the service. Would you do that to them? Amen. Amen. All of those also who are live streaming today from whatever your location might be, you may be on vacation, you may be in your bed, you may, whatever you may be, but you turned us on, we're glad you're here, and we welcome you too as we, as we bless you from all over the world because we've had wonderful reports that... Uh, numbers of people have joined us across uh, the globe. And then, uh, as equally important as these two that I've mentioned previously, are the people who are part of our uh, various branches of our military around the world. They're worthy of our welcome and our gratitude. Amen. Amen. So, thank you so much for being with us. And, for, of course, those of you here that are in the house here at South Metro, Metro this morning. I always covet your prayers. That means I, I'm jealous of it. I want it. And so I ask you to do that for me now by reaching your hands in my direction. 
and pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. And let's do it above a whisper so that there'll be a breakthrough here today. Uh, Father, I thank you this morning for the revelation of your presence through song and worship and giving. Thank you for the first service that preceded this service. And I thank you, Lord, for our extended family of whom I mentioned uh, earlier. And I pray for refreshing. Say amen, church. I pray for a refilling God. I pray that we will not try to uh, massage this or mesmerize it with man's ways, but I pray you'd give us a breakthrough of the presence of God so we don't feel like, well, we need to hurry up and go home because we got nothing. But I pray, God, we'd find ourselves uh, wonderfully blessed at the table of God. And when we've left, we've known that God's been with us. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. 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 Thank you for being seated in the house of the Lord. I, uh, I am proud, delighted, and honored upon the invitation of our pastor to be a part of this preaching theme on the book of Ephesians. Uh, as I uh, delve into it, uh, I really found a lot of challenges, uh, challenges that are not uh, contrary or uh, contradictory, but challenges of especially how to get all that done and said in one lesson uh, because of the rich content. Today, I'm going to use... Uh, this for a thought in conjunction with Ephesians chapter 3. Mysterious. I choose that having felt, feeling led of the Holy Spirit because on six occasions in the book of Ephesians, Paul lifts up a thought around it. And here in the third chapter of Ephesians, there are three references to the word mystery or mysterious. And I'm going to center my talk today around understanding the mysterious. This week, I, like you, was maybe uh, riveted to the television as it relates to the mystery or the mysterious regarding 12 boys of a soccer team and one coach. Mysterious. It was mysterious because their predicament was so so, uh, what, what is the best word for that? Uncertain or, or yes, mystery. Uh, here, here are some of the thoughts that I found interesting about the mystery and challenges of this particular account that threatened the lives of these people. It was a dark cave, obviously. This cave was two and a half miles into the mountain. That's a long ways. There were many tight and seemingly impassable water-filled spaces. And as you looked at the, the design of it, you know, uh, drawn by others who'd been in it, you found that there was a high point, a low point, water here, a middle point, high point, low point. Many of the areas getting into the heart of the cave where the boys were required to be submerged, scuba diving. Challenging. No food day and night, several days. The sharp up and down topography of the tunnel. The threatening continual monsoon rains. The threat that the tunnel could be flooded more than it is. Mystery. That a man, a well-trained Thai Navy SEAL, in his effort to help, was attempting in that cave to place 
oxygen tanks along the way. And he must have lost consciousness and died. Unfortunate. And prayers were going up all over the world. Perhaps you, you and I prayed. And because prayers were going up, we give the Lord thanks that our prayers were answered and all 12 boys and, and the coach were rescued and alive and there's no more mystery. Amen. No more mystery. Could you uh, imagine being one of the parents of these boys? But God brought them out with a lot of great skill. And so in thinking about that mystery, I'm thinking about how we could tie all this together and what I'd like to do is what I alluded to moments ago is to give an understanding of Paul's uh, use of the word mystery. Here's one definition of mysterious. To shut the mouth. I mean, you know, that's a mystery for some folks. <laughs> a secret or mystery that is to Keep hidden until the time of uncovering. And if you're given to take notes, let, let, me, let me add this as part of the definition. Something that is difficult or impossible to understand or explain. And so Paul begins his letter with this major thought. Chapter 3 that is. The prisoner of the mystery. And he tells us. In the first four verses, that when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. Assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. Paul tells us that he, because of the gospel, because of being a preacher of Jesus Christ, and because of being a messenger of the gospel, has found himself in the place of being a prisoner of Christ Jesus. In the opening of the book, Ephesians 1 and 1, Paul gives his credentials as Christ's apostle, and he was. And then here in Ephesians, he speaks of himself as a prisoner of Christ. And then in another place in Ephesians, he speaks of himself as a bondservant of Christ. And so I share that with you to, to concentrate on this part of the prisoner of Christ. He was brought before the Jews after being accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple of God into an area where Gentiles are not permitted. And that was not true. But you know sometimes the way the devil works, he'll make up lies to make you a prisoner. And so he is, he is accused of the Jews 
And therefore, being accused of the Jews, the next step is to go to the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the Judaism court for offending or supposedly accused Jews. The Sanhedrin having disliked the message of the gospel of Christ and the message that Paul's preaching, they dislike it because they more they try to squelch it the more it, like a fire being fanned. It goes everywhere. How many of you know you can't shut up the word of God? You can't shut up the message of the gospel. And so what you find is the Sanhedrin, so mad at him, sends him to Roman governors who they hope will find Paul guilty and have him jailed for a long time or maybe have him executed. So Paul goes before three Roman governors, Felix, Festus, and Agrippa. And all of them, the one of them, Agrippa, likes Paul or like him and his personality because they want to please Caesar, convicts him of a made-up crime for which Paul knows that the only place he could find justice if he does is to go to Rome. And so the Bible says that five years he spends in prison, three of those years in a Roman prison. And Paul yet says this about himself. I am a prisoner of Christ. Although he was imprisoned by the Jews, he did not see himself as a prisoner of the Jews. Although he's imprisoned by the Roman authority, he does not consider himself a prisoner of Rome. Although he has appealed to Caesar, he did not consider himself Caesar's prisoner. What he did consider himself was that he was a minister of Jesus Christ. He was given the commission to preach the word by Jesus Christ. And he had paid a price to serve Jesus Christ. And Christ had paid the price. And therefore, as a result of it, he didn't care what jail he ended up in. He didn't care what accusation was made against him. His master and the prison breaker, Jesus Christ, were going to set him free. Somebody say amen. Now, I'd like to tell you that no government could put you in jail. No prisoner can keep you in jail because you are not subject to their opinion. You are subject to the plans and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to tell you that you may feel like you are a prisoner, but oh, help me, Lord. I am not open season for the devil's attacks. Amen. I am not open season for demonic attacks. If you're going to get to Alan Matura devil, you're going to have to come through the blood and the fire and the word of God. I am surrounded. I am overcome. I am head towing all over me by the blood of Jesus. I, I, I'm glad to be a prisoner. If, if, if I'm a prisoner of Christ, let me, let me say this to you. Uh, I know, here's the, here's the mode of my preaching. It's always been in my life and I can't help it. My preaching, Pastor, usually, usually starts out with teaching. It's already got passed here now. 
It starts out with teaching and then it goes to preaching. And I already got past that. And it ends up in yelling. And I, I'm headed that way. Uh, let me show you something. If your prison is your job, if your prison is your marriage, if your prison is your health, if your prison is your money, God will never lead you to the valley of the shadow of death and leave you there for the hounds of hell to bite on your heels. Can, can I get an amen? The, the, the word is sadomasochistic. God is not sadomasochistic, meaning he doesn't take any delight in your suffering. No more than you take any delight if you have children or grandchildren in their suffering or their pain. I want to tell you, friends, every time you become a prisoner, God has a purpose in mind. Somebody say amen. God has a purpose for your suffering and for your pain and for your loneliness and for your fears. And when you come through the valley, he'll put you on the mountain where you can praise God again. Oh, my, my, my. Here's the plan of the mystery that God has. Let's, let's look at it together. Paul says this is the mystery and here's the plan of it. God did not reveal it to previous generations. Uh, Paul's saying God showed a little bit about this mystery in the Old Testament. Abraham, Isaac, etc. And he showed a little bit of this mystery to the apostles that preceded Paul's arrival. But somehow by God's divine appointment, he chose to give it, all of it, to Paul. He says it came by, by his spirit. He has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. You with me? Both Gentiles and Jews. You, you might understand this already. Uh, we folks here, unless you're Jewish. We Gentiles. Whether you like it or not. But it was a different kind of economy back then. The, the Gentiles and the Jews who believe in the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both Gentiles and Jews are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. You, I need to tell you this. We were once without Christ. We were aliens to the kingdom. Go ahead and nod your head. Some of you still aliens. We were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers to the covenants of promise that Abraham received. We, it wasn't going to be ours. We were one, one time we had no hope without God in this world. One time there were two nations. Jews and Gentiles separated by a dividing wall of hostility. Back in the days of Jesus. Jews hated Gentiles and Gentiles hated Jews. And uh, while they may not have had a physical wall, there was a wall emotionally and mentally. But an amazing thing happened. Christ has broken down that wall and Paul came to tell him. 
Christ has abolished legalism and the law and come now to give us grace. What Christ has done, Paul's saying, I don't care if you're Jew, Gentile, whatever you, what Christ has done is made us one family, thus making peace among us. <laughs> Say amen, somebody. And so now the Bible says, here's how the mystery plays itself out. You need to know it ain't a mystery anymore. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel of the same promise, the promise of Abraham. I'm going back to teaching. I'll come back to yelling in a minute. Uh, we Gentiles and you Jews, Paul is saying, we, we, we are now in, in one same body, the body of Christ. Uh, we, we share the same promises the promise of eternal life, of the Holy Ghost indwelling, of a place in the kingdom of God. We, we share the same Christ. We, we, we're together in this. Oh, all says, quit fighting and cussing and all that stuff. We're in it together. I don't care if I have to go to jail to tell you that. It's worth it. You remember Jesus went on an occasion, he went, to a well outside Samaria. The Bible says, and I don't need to preach that, I just need to highlight it, that Jesus went there deliberately. His passage and his walking and his travel with the disciples was not supposed to take him there. But he says, I need go to Samaria. When I used to preach a lot, Pastor JC, I used to say, whoop, glory. You see, you sitting there, you don't know what fire is going up in my soul. I got to edit stuff while I'm up here. Can't preach that. Can't preach that. But another thing about preaching is that you get to the don't give a rip what they think preaching. You see what's wrong with you guys? You act that on and I'm trying to be dignified. What was it I was saying? <laughs> so he went to Samaria. And he sent his disciples in a town some distance from the well to where town was. And he, uh, he said, I, I must need go there. I must go. How I many you know God loves us on purpose? Yeah. And so... Uh, when, when he goes there, he sends his disciples to town to eat. Uh, and I alluded to this earlier in the... In the First service to get something to eat. He sent them to town. Bring something back. Isn't it amazing how Jesus would do that? He'd send people to town to get some food and bring it back from a drive-thru when he took five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000. What, what, what do you got any business sending somebody to, for food? Because you wanted a private moment with this Gentile prostitute adulterer. Everybody's included. Everybody. Uh, she comes to the well. She's had five husbands and one she's living with now ain't hers. The women in the town's glad to see her go because she done stole five of their husbands. Pardon the grammar. Uh, Jesus is sitting there. She already knows by coming up to the well where Jesus is sitting or perhaps standing by his garment that he's a Jew. And Jesus, Jesus said, 
Uh, he says this. I know the plan. Uh, Ma'am, uh, what, uh, what brings you here? Obviously, the, the, to draw water, but by yourself. What brings you here by yourself? Because the custom was that the older women come at the same time uh, and bringing the animals and such, and then the men come at a different time. And, and she says, well, uh, uh, I'm going to paraphrase this. Uh, I, I'm an outcast because I've had you know, five husbands, and one I have now is not mine. And Jesus said that part. Matter of fact, the one you have now ain't yours. Won't this about Jesus? He loves you so much that if you won't show your stuff, he'll show it to you. <laughs> Don't mess with Jesus. Don't mess with Jesus. Sometimes he'll show the preacher your stuff. <laughs> uh, Jesus said, if you, if you drink of this water, are y'all still with me? If you drink of this water, you get thirsty again in this well. But if you drink of this water that I give you, you shall have, you shall never quench anymore. You shall have everlasting life. You will never be thirsty anymore. Never be thirsty. She says, I, I, I presume that you are a prophet. And she received what he had to say because with Jesus, whether you're Jew or Gentile, white, black, yellow, brown, purple, everybody's included. She... She went back to town and she said to those in town after she's set free, after she feels clean like she hadn't felt clean in years, after she felt valuable, after a man spoke to her, other men would not. She felt, come see the man who told me where I can find water that gives me eternal life. Everybody's included. You, you, you remember, you remember some years ago when... A large, thick, barbed wire on top wall separated East and West Germany. Remember that? The communist section of Germany limited the availability to freedom of the people who lived in their domain. Can, can I get an amen? Limited access to goods, to housing, to jobs because it was their intent to keep their thumb, communistic thumb, on people that deserve freedom. Now, don't take this political, okay, because I'm just using a name that was effective, okay? You, you take this political, email somebody else. Ronald Reagan appears at the wall. I remember that. And was it Gorbachev? The what a premier of Russia, he said, tear down this wall. I want to use that to tell you that there's a man who understood freedom. You know, like America now, we, we all may not see everything alike, but we do understand freedom. And that began the process. That, that, that began the, the domino effect. Well, that wall came down and folks rushed into West Germany and they, they began to eat like the other people ate. They began to live in homes like the other people. They began to have jobs. They began to raise their family without a cloud over their head. And if a government can do that, can 
you imagine what God can do for those who are imprisoned and bound and fearful? He is an all-inclusive God. Well, thank you, Jesus. Here's the preaching of the mystery. Everybody still with me? Say amen. Uh, Oh, my, here's a little something. All-inclusive God. That, that's what the message is. I gave a, I did a little uh, show and tell in the first service, and I'll do it here lest you feel offended. Uh, all-inclusive God. All nationalities, all colors, all cultures. Hair, no hair. Isn't it amazing to you? It's a mystery to me how some man can have a f- full head of, Hair, it's amazing to me. And the rest of us can be so perfect. (laughs) Mystery to me. Anybody can cover up their hair. It takes pride and dignity to show your head. (laughs) Much of this message will not be anointed, but take what you can get. How how many of you folks, little test, I'm going to have you stand. Hispanic attenders, stand. This morning. Yeah, just stand. Yeah, stand if you're Hispanic. Latino uh, attenders, uh, you stand. Just remain standing. How, how many Asian worshipers do we have in the house? The Asian. Just remain standing. This, this is wonderful. How, how many, uh, make, make sure, and I won't get them all, but how many uh, African American worshipers stand, stand for me this morning? Just remain standing. Uh, how, how many uh, Indians, American Indians or other Indians, stand for me? If you're an Indian, raise your hand. Well, there's two of us, thank God. <laughs> how, how many uh, of our white brothers and sisters in the house? Go ahead, stand. Pastor J.C. said you'll get a VIP gift, all of you, all of you. <laughs> I didn't want to offend Pastor David Zucala. How many Italians do we have here? How many members of the mafia do we? <laughs> any other culture, any other nation, whatever, you don't even know your DNA, much less your ancestral history. You just, you just want to stand, stand, stand. Everybody else stand. Everybody else. Come on, if you're not standing, stand. Now let's give the Lord thanks for diversity. Diversity, diversity. Help one another. Yes, I'm proud to be sitting beside you. You may, you may be seated. This ain't no back of the church, front of the church segregation stuff. Say amen. This ain't no front of the bus, back of the bus nonsense stuff. This ain't no apartheid bunch of junk. This ain't no white supremacy or any other race kind of junk. This ain't no German Hitler against white junk. We are all part of the family of God. God has no favorite colors. No favorite colors. Amen. Ah, thank you, Lord. Yeah, only two Indians in this service, but don't be surprised when you get to heaven, God's Indian. Well, pastor, I'm losing it, but I guess we all, look at this. Will you look at it with me? And I know I'm not going to cover everything, but I'll stop at the appropriate place. By God's grace and mighty power, 
I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Ah, oh, isn't that? Look at this. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Paul says, I was chosen, like all of you here today, to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. I don't know why God kept it secret from the beginning. I think I know. Because Jesus Christ hadn't come yet until the New Testament. And so in order to be close to God, redeemed, you relied upon the law. Mm. Let me show you something I discovered, and I want to just... The purpose of every preacher is to tell believers how rich they are in Christ. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, when I first started ministry and came out of the culture and the preaching tradition that I grew up in, uh, sermons on grace were rare. Most sermons centered around the length of women's hair. Whether they had a ring or not on their finger. And their dress sleeve down to their wrist. Oh, boy. Ain't nobody preaching how rich you are in Christ. They're preaching about how quick you get to hell. My mother... I don't know if I told you this before, Pastor Jay. We were in that conservative climate. You guys have been down to Trinidad, you, Trey, you know, and Monty. As a boy growing up in the islands, I came to America when I was 11 years old. And this year, November, will be 50 years I'm in America. 50 years. <laughs> America been good to me. Ask my wife. She still considers me a mystery. After 40 years. Hey, honey. Uh, my, my wife, we went to a picnic at Maracas Bay. And uh, the women supposed to swim on that side of the beach. And the men over there. And the children in between, I guess. My mom swimming in the ocean. Conservative, Holy Ghost filled, holiness woman. She caught a fish in the hem of a swimming dress. See, the reward for being holy back then was free fish. <laughs> free fish. Now, I do believe there ought to be a balance. Are you with me? I believe we ought to be discerning about what we say, what we look at, how we dress, where we go, who we hang out with, what we drink. I, I believe that. I'm not just open up. But every once in a while, like every week, you need to know <laughs> that you are richer than you think. Somebody say amen. amen. You need to know. Here's Paul. He's telling you how rich you are. This is the same chapter, verse 16 to 19. Follow me. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, God's glorious unlimited, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I mean, that's part of the richness. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. 
Amen to that. As you trust him. Here's, here's some richness. I'm praying, Paul says, that you, your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. If I will have my roots anywhere, it's going to be in God's love. Here's some unsearchable riches. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how. On the count of three, read with me beginning at the word how. On the count of three. One, two, three. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Here's another thought. Now I'll read this for you. May you experience the love of Christ. Amen. Amen. Though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness and power that comes from God. I don't know about you, but I can't count my riches in Christ Jesus. I'm not only rich here on earth, but one day there's gonna be a resurrection morning. Paul says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all die, but when the trumpet of God shall sound, we shall arise, and you know the rest. It's not a mystery anymore. Oh, my, my, my. God, God help me here. You, you just, I won't give you all this list of stuff. The, uh, the purpose of the mystery. The purpose of the mystery is God's purpose in all this is to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. That's, the, that's what, why we're rich in, to manifest God and Christ. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Here it is, here it is. Come to the music, my brother or sister. The purpose of the mystery is to make God known in heaven and on earth. Yeah, you gonna hear clap there? Uh, what is my job, pastor? Make Jesus known in heaven and in earth. But what if I suffer this, that, and the other? Don't worry, you're a prisoner of Christ anyhow. Make God known. We, we know how to make our favorite ball team known. We know how to make our heroes known. We know how to make our favorite designer known. and We know how to make our whatever our opinions are known. But some of us, and I don't know how to do some of this, but some of us need to quit all that Facebook two-faced nonsense and start making Jesus known. Let me tell you. Oh, God, here I go again. Is it next year I'm supposed to preach? Because I'm going to get it said. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Quit promoting your own agenda. Don't try to outdo somebody else on Instagram and texting and Facebook. Put the thing down and go to bed. Put, I'm serious. You want to make God known? Put the thing down, turn it off, and hit your knees. Because souls are going to hell in a handbasket, and somebody's got to tell them. The church doesn't exist simply for the purpose of saving souls, though it is a marvelous and important work. The supreme purpose of the church is to glorify God. You ought not to leave this house as you came in Jesus' name.
this ought, ought to be your gas station. They got these plug-in cars. This ought to be where you plug in. Somebody say amen. This, this ought to be a place about not always having my agenda. Oh, help me, God. I'm trying to contain myself. Too many people come to church fussing and almost cussing about why things aren't their way. They leave, and a few of us leave this morning, mad as a hornet. Because you didn't get your way. I love you. <laughs> but I don't care. I do not care what you think about me. I love you, and you may not like my style of preaching. But what I am telling you is the Word of God, and the style is up to you. We didn't get to all that. That'd be part two. I am what I am. 61 years old. Been preaching for about 40 years. Pastored one church. If there's any been any good in me or success in me or impression in me and anointing in me and results in me, it's because his story has reshaped my story. Are you all okay? Listen, Paul says, I was the least of the apostles. And you already heard this, but this, this bears repeating because it's what Ephesians is all. I used to hate Christ and hate disciples and arrest people and take them to the point of trial, even their death. The more I hated and the more I arrested, the happier I felt. But the Lord stopped me one day in the midst of all that hate and says, even though you don't love me, I love you. And I can kill you right now. How do you know that'll change your mind? But I'd rather you spread the news. So Paul was shaped, reshaped, and you can be too. Would you stand, please? Oh, I, I praise you, Lord. Usually when I, because there's been two different kinds of delivery this morning and, and the end of the service. Usually what I do is go home. And you do it too, Pastor. And beat myself up. Some of the things I said. Uh, I, I'm going to say this to you, and I know that, and I, I turn it over now before I say this to you. Thank you, Pastor David at Go Church. Feel free to lead the congregation, the gathering, in the direction of the Holy Spirit. I know you will. Uh, boy, I, I don't want to draw attention to myself, and yet this is what is going to happen. I cannot tell you the last time that I wrestled with a sermon as I did with this. Pastor JC, I'm going to say this to you because it's finished. I told my wife on more than one or two occasions, I don't want to do it. I do not want to do it. And that seems so ironic because I've done it for so many years. I wrestled and wrestled, came frustrated and disgusted, and I knew somehow 
if I felt like a prisoner, I knew who had the key, so I stayed with it. Stayed with it. Thank, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. I only said that to now say this. I don't know what you're wrestling with. Preachers are not the only ones that do that. I don't know if it's a son who's a mystery to you or a daughter who's a mystery to you or bad words of criticism who's a mystery to you or a job who's a mystery to you or relationship that's a mystery to you. I don't know what keeps you up at night and makes you frustrated and troubled when you're trying to do good. You know when you're trying to do good, that's when the devil attacks the most. But I want to invite you to let Jesus reshape you. Would you bow for that? Bow in Jesus' name. I, I want to invite you to be reshaped by the Lord. I certainly can't do it. I, I'm still on the, uh, the wheel being adjusted by the Lord, the potter's wheel. If you want to join me in that potter's wheel and there's some things he's got to break out, break away from our lives, some lumpy places and dry places. If you want to join me on that wheel, as well as numbers of here today, and say, Holy Ghost, reshape me. I don't know what it means to you, but it means something to me. Would you, would you raise your hands in that, in that way? I, I want to, you know what it is. Come on, just let it go. Let it, you, you are not going to be a prisoner anymore to the devil. You may put him down. Now you may, you may look in this direction, if you will, please. Here's my understanding of what the posture of receiving is. I'm not going to lead you wrong, but I'll ask you to invite me, invite you, pardon me, to uh, hold your hands out in this way. I'm going to ask you to repeat the prayer that I will pray together with you so that we be reshaped. So your heads are bowed now, your hands are held out, and on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to repeat. One, two, three. Lord Jesus, I am available to be reshaped by your word and by the Holy Spirit. In my life, there has been mystery, questions, unsolved puzzles. Today, I lay it all at your feet. Begin at my head and throughout my body and my feet. Fill me today with the revelation of your word. Lord Jesus, I do not want my focus to be on me alone. I do not want to hide from the light of your revelation. Starting today, place me in the place and the position and the timing where you want me and when you want me. I submit to you, renew my mind, change my focus and fill me with the fullness of God. I receive your unsearchable riches available to me. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Let's do it deliberately.